It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome on into Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast focused on all things BYU sports. Thanks for joining us on this Monday edition of the show. Hope you guys all had a great weekend. BYU basketball picks up another win over the weekend and firmly entrenched now as the number two seed in the West Coast Conference standings for the time being. We'll talk about the win over Pacific on Saturday and talk about BYU standing with the WCC right now here in this first segment. Segment, Second segment of the show, we'll catch up on some of the other news and notes when it comes to BYU football. And then, of course, as we always do on Mondays in the final segment of the show, we got a lot of sports to recap, catch up on how they performed over the weekend. A uh, big win for BYU women's basketball as they bounced back, as well as the women's tennis team having su- some success. But the men's volleyball team struggling. So got a lot to recap for you, of course, on a Monday, looking back at the weekend that was. So we'll have it all covered for you here on Locked on Cougars. And with that said, let's get going. This is Locked on Cougars for February 11th, 2019. All right, BYU basketball picks up the win Saturday night. They pull away down the stretch to beat Pacific 69 to 59. BYU now 16 and 10 on the season. More importantly, Eight and three in West Coast Conference play that puts them in the number two spot currently. They're actually a full two games up in the win column on San Francisco and St. Mary's, as well as a game up in the loss column. So BYU right now sitting pretty right now when it comes to West Coast Conference standings. BYU, if they were able to hold on here through the rest of the final month of the season, roughly here and get that second seed with the new tournament format setting, BYU would get the automatic buy into the semifinals. They have that double bye for the top two seeds in the West Coast Conference Tournament. And let's be real, BYU, if they have any any, and I'm talking about the slimmest glimmer of hope for an NCAA tournament bid or maybe even the NIT bid, uh, they would have to w- get that double bye, win the semifinal matchup, and then either perform extremely well or pull the shocker of all shockers and beat Gonzaga in Las Vegas because... Uh, as PK and DJ like to call it on my radio show that I produce daily for the Zone Sports Network, she renamed the Gonzaga Invitational in Las Vegas because Gonzaga just owns that West Coast Conference tournament. They own the West Coast Conference, period. But uh, BYU getting that second seed would be big time for them. Let's talk a little bit about this game here, though, in terms of the Pacific game itself. Pacific's a tough matchup for BYU. I've talked about this on the podcast previously leading up to the first matchup these two teams played earlier this season and then also uh, before last weekend. So last week on Friday's show, talking about the preview in the game on Saturday. 
I just feel like Pacific is a team that BYU struggles with. They're a hard-nosed, hard-edged team. They play the style of basketball that their head coach, Damon Stoudemire, played his entire collegiate and NBA career with. He's just a guy that they're going to hammer you on the boards. They're going to hammer you when you're going to the basket. It is a foul fest. You have to make your free throws to win games like this. And credit to BYU. They kind of got sucked into playing the type of game that they normally play against Pacific, but they were able to with over. Well, not, I'm trying to combine withstand and overcome. They tried to with overcome, I guess is what I was trying to say. Excuse me, but they're try, they overcame everything Pacific threw at them, pulled away down the stretch, and they get the 69 to 59 win. So congratulations to Dave Rose's squad. Uh, there's been a lot of doom and gloom around this basketball program, and I think at points it's been it's been warranted. It's been stuff that okay, you get it. But Yoli Childs had a great game. He led BYU with a double double of 19 points and 13 rebounds. A good showing for him. Connor Harding, it looked like he may have been hitting a freshman wall in the last couple of weeks, but he breaks out with a fine performance off the bench with 13 points and four rebounds of his own. He's the second leading scorer for BYU in this game. And then Gavin Baxter having another solid outing. Nine points, uh, three rebounds, three assists. He also had two blocks, extending his block streak in terms of games in a row that he's, he's blocked a shot. So, All in all, this was a good showing for BYU. Pacific's a team that's middle of the conference to bottom half, but the more important part here is BYU was able to get sucked into another team's style, but also pull themselves out of it before they suffered a loss that they would regret pretty heavily. So my hat goes off to Dave Rose and his team for having his guys ready to play. Uh, big congratulations to them because, like I said, that, that second seed right now, BYU number two in the West Coast Conference at 8-3 and three in conference play. Gonzaga, of course, they're 23-2 and two on the season. They're 10-0 and 0 in West Coast Conference play. They absolutely clobbered St. Mary's on Saturday night. That was a pretty highly anticipated showdown, but holy smokes. And I saw somebody tweet out, did St. Mary's take out an ad in the spokesman review? No, that would be Pacific that said, hey, game on. And Mark Few and Gonzaga have never forgotten, and they've just laid it on Pacific. Well, you would have thought that by association, St. Mary's got the same treatment because it was 53-20, to if I recall, at halftime. Gonzaga absolutely pummeling St. Mary's. So San Francisco's fallen off the pace a little bit. They're sitting at 6-4 and four alongside St. Mary's, tied for third place in conference play. Uh, San Diego, who BYU has a big-time showdown with on Thursday, night sits in fifth currently at five and five in conference play and San Diego is going to be a little bit of a threat down the stretch here because they're starting to get healthy and when they're healthy San Diego's got a very good team Uh, Pinero is one of their better players I've always enjoyed watching him play I really like his game. Uh, we'll preview this game more in depth on Wednesday's show and also Thursday's show, get you, getting you ready for that showdown in San Diego because it, with San Diego sitting there in fifth place, like I said, they're starting to get healthy. They're 16-9 and nine on the year, and at home, more importantly, they're 11-1. and one. And so BYU's going to Jenny Craig Pavilion. They're going to have to be very careful. San Diego's coming off a loss this past weekend, but BYU, they're sitting in the catbird seat when it comes to overall the conference. Conference rankings. It's pretty much Gonzaga was sitting at the top, and there's no way they're going to lose that number one seed. So it's a race for number two. And BYU, like I said, to have two games up in the win column currently, as well as a one game lead in the loss column over San Francisco and St. Mary's, 
It's a good lead to have if you're BYU. Now you've got to play from the front uh, in terms of like running the race. You've got to be able just to stay in front of everybody, withstand whatever they're going to throw at you, and not avoid major losses here. That's the biggest thing is you can't have critical losses. At this point of the season, any loss that's not expected, okay, and I'm, I'm saying expected, but... BYU is not going to go to Gonzaga and win this game. I know they've done it in their past, but this year's BYU team, they go to Gonzaga and win that game. That's the biggest upset in BYU basketball history, and I have no qualms about saying that. I'm sure you guys may have a differing opinion, and feel free to reach out to me. Locked on Cougars on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. My personal Twitter feed is at Jacob C. Hatch. Let me know what you think. Would that be the biggest upset? I think it would be, but BYU here, they have this game in San Diego on Thursday, then they head a little bit north on I-5 to face Loyola Marymount in Los Angeles this weekend. You sweep those two games, you move to 10-3, and three, and then you have a showdown the following Thursday, so February 21st, a week from this coming Thursday. You have a showdown against San Francisco. Man, you could really make it hard for anybody to catch you at that point if you win two, three straight games here. But BYU's got to go out and do it. We've seen a Jekyll and Hyde kind of syndrome with this team. They go out and have a great game, and they follow it up with a little bit of a dud. We'll see how they perform. Like I said, San Diego is getting healthier here. BYU's going to have their work cut out for them on Thursday night. I think Loyola Marymount shouldn't be that hard of a win on Saturday, but you are going to their gym, and BYU did lose there a year ago at Gersten Pavilion. So... The opportunity for BYU to set themselves up to have a fighting chance in the West Coast Conference Tournament, it's staring them right in the face. There are five games remaining in this conference season. You have two showdowns with San Diego. You're at San Diego this week, and then your final game, March 2nd, is at home against San Diego. And if you can win the next three games, and going into the Gonzaga showdown up there in Spokane, followed by a game against San Diego on March 2nd, you could just be tuning yourself up for the West Coast Conference tournament at that point. If you're able to, if, if speaking of BYU, if you're able to go out and win these next three games. The goal is you got to go out and do it. you got to get out on the court. These teams are going to be motivated. They want to get their best seating they can possibly get. San Diego is going to be of a mindset that, hey, we can play spoiler here. We can really vault ourselves up the standings with a few wins here. Two wins maybe particularly against BYU could find themselves moving up the standings rather quickly. And It's going to be a very interesting race, and I'm excited to track it. We'll be speaking with BYU coaches and players probably tomorrow with the road game at San Diego, but we'll have that sound for you when we have it, and we'll play some of their thoughts, get some of their thoughts on setting up with this. So it is a big-time opportunity staring BYU in the face, and hats off to them for winning the game on Saturday against Pacific, even though Pacific kind of instilled their style of basketball on the game. BYU overcame it, pulled away late, and wins the game, and man, they're sitting pretty right now. You just got to take care of business the rest of the way here. You got to lead from the front. You can't. You don't want to be pl- trying to catch up. It's good to be in front and and just play from ahead. All right, there you go. Some of my thoughts on BYU basketball. It's going to be an exciting week. Uh, that Southern California road swing this weekend. Big opportunity, huge opportunity for BYU. Go out and get two wins and really assert yourselves and really, I think, change the paradigm, the whole narrative of your season. In all honesty, you look at it like. BYU all this year, all we've done is fans and media have really just dumped on them, plain and simple. And at times you feel like, hey, are we dumping a little too hard on these guys? Well, 
they're kind of rounding into form right now, and that's the good sign you wanted to see from BYU. You want to see them playing their best basketball at the end of the year. So we'll see how it all shakes out. It'll be interesting to see if they can ultimately win these couple of games, really get themselves set up for the West Coast Conference Tournament and get that double bye into the semifinals and give themselves a fighting chance. This team makes the NCAA Tournament, and we're talking about just a crazy miracle. But, hey, they're going to give themselves an opportunity if they can take care of business down the stretch here in the final month or so of the season. I guess about three weeks left to go. All right, there you go. Some of my thoughts on BYU basketball. Congrats on the win over Pacific, and now they get ready for a Southern California road swing at San Diego and at Loyola Marymount. All right, we'll step aside here. We'll come back on the other side. Need to talk some BYU football news and notes. Also catch up on how the weekend went for the other sports for BYU. So a lot still to cover right here on Locked on Cougars. It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors, zero-turn mowers, and utility vehicles, including the number one selling compact tractor in the USA, and now through June 30. Get 0% APR for 84 months or up to $3,300 off select compact tractors. See the details at KubotaOrangedays.com. Your family, your land, and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on. So find your local dealer today. That's KubotaOrangedays.com. Welcome on back to Locked On Cougars. And I, we know we've talked a lot on this podcast. If you guys have listened for the last couple of weeks, we've talked a lot about smart speakers and their ability to let you listen to this podcast simply by using your voice. Well, the best part is your smartphone can do the same thing in your car. You get in your vehicle. A lot of people have, let's say, a 10 to 15 minute commute. I have a longer commute. I take about 30 minutes uh, to get to downtown Salt Lake for my radio job. But um, the nice part is about my, my smartphone, I've got an iPhone, and I can tell it, hey, play podcast, insert name here. So I'm going to have you guys, if you want to listen to this podcast on your commute, make it real easy. Just tell your smartphone, whether it's an Android, an iPhone, whatever you got. Play podcast, Locked on Cougars, and you'll have the latest and greatest news when it comes to BYU sports. I know you guys have heard me talk about this with smart speakers. Same thing with your smartphones. Modern technology is an absolute marvel, and it makes listening to BYU football, basketball, and everything else that we cover here on the Locked on Cougars podcast extremely easy to do. All right, so moving on from that, let's talk some BYU football. Last week, I played an interview from Aaron Roderick, and we talked a lot about um, quarterbacks, BYU signing Jacob Conover, and looking also ahead to spring ball, because Zach Wilson will be participating in spring ball, but not physically. He will not be throwing passes. He underwent a shoulder surgery this offseason to clean up a nagging injury. They decided this is the time to get it done, and he's going to be back this summer and getting ready for the season. But Aaron Roderick talked about when I asked him, okay, so what this gives an opportunity to which guys and he mentioned three names he said it, it gives an option to Joe Critchlow Jaron Hall and then Baylor Romney and my immediate thought was well, what about Stacy Connor uh, of course the kid out of Wiley Texas big tall lanky kid who can really sling a football 
So my follow-up question to him was, well, is Stacy, what's Stacy Connor's status? He's going to be changing positions potentially, as has kind of been rumored about him. He said, no, he's going to still be a quarterback. He's just a long ways away. So this is a three-quarterback race in spring ball, essentially to really assert yourselves going in, assert yourself if you're one of these three quarterbacks, speaking of Baylor Romney, speaking of Jaron Hall, and speaking of Joe Critchlow, to really assert yourself and say, hey, I'm the number two guy behind what is presumed to be number one. Uh, Zach Wilson. I know that Kalani Satake has mentioned multiple times that he is going to leave the competitions open for always going forward. He learned his lesson uh, from Tanner Mangum in 2017 that Tanner had the job locked up seemingly once Taysom Hill left campus and he felt like it was a uh, hurt his program. So he wants to leave it open. So there will still be competition in fall camp. If one of these quarterbacks just is an absolute stud, beats out Zach Wilson, they'll play him. Do I think they're going to beat out Zach Wilson? Eh, highly unlikely. That's just my thought. But they have an opportunity now, these three quarterbacks, to show what they can do. You have two quarterbacks who are kind of the same mold as a Zach Wilson, maybe a little more of dual threats with Jaron Hall and also Baylor Romney. Baylor Romney's a guy that I figured at some point in his career would probably end up moving positions. I, I just thought that, okay, yeah, he likely does get a move and play somewhere else, maybe play safety or goes to wide receiver. But they're they're going to give him a real crack at it. He was a quarterback in high school down there in El Paso, Texas. His younger brother, Gunner, has been his wide receiver seemingly his entire life. He threw to him a lot. Gunner's a wide receiver. So Baylor's going to get a chance here. Jaron Hall's going to get a chance here. Jaron, of course, will be balancing BYU football, uh, spring football with BYU baseball practices and games, but will be available for all BYU football practices during the month of March. They're going to do all of BYU spring camp in one month. It's going to be start March 4th, and it'll be done, I believe, I think it said like March 29th, something or other. I have to look at the calendar that I don't have in front of me. Pulling it up right now. It is going to be yeah, March 29th is when they're officially supposed to be done with fall, with spring ball. So this month of March is going to be critical for guys like Jaron Hall and Baylor Romney to show what they can do as maybe more of true dual threats. I feel like Zach Wilson is uh – is a pocket passer that has the ability to run. I know that Wilson was considered a dual threat quarterback, but I think at this point he really has refined his arm and he's become a guy who can really pick you apart in the passing game and run when need be. I know that BYU has called some QB run stuff for him and read options and the like. Uh, We saw that towards the tail end of the 2018 season, but I feel like he's a dual threat. He's He's not a true dual threat quarterback. He's a pocket passer. He's a He's a passing quarterback that has the ability to run. Now, if you're speaking of a true pocket passer, that is what Joe Critchlow is. Joe Critchlow is not going to burn the track up with his speed, plain and simple. I do believe he's a little better athlete than some people probably consider. Uh, he's a tall kid, 6'4". He's got a, a lively arm. We saw that towards the end of the 2017 season when he was the starter. It was a big talk in the 2018 offseason heading into the 2018 season that maybe he has an opportunity to establish himself as a starter. Well, he was quickly buried on the depth chart. They had Tanner Mangum, and then they also had Zach Wilson. And I felt like Jaron Hall was number three right away. And Joe Critchlow, if he wants to really make a statement for himself, this month coming up is going to
going to be critical for a guy like that because I feel like the coaching staff prefers more of an athletic option that can run the ball when need be, has the big arm. Jaron Hall and Baylor Romney are, are good athletes that have got big arms on them by all accounts, can make the passes that the BYU coaches want them to make. Well, it's a it's kind of a paradigm shift when you have Joe Critchlow out there where he's going to be trying to prove, yeah, I can still do this read option game. If that's what you guys want to do, I can do it. Or if you guys want me to, I'll be more of the traditional Tanner Mangum setup where we go under center, two and three tight end sets and run the ball. I can do that for you too. I'm more in that mold. So going to be multiple storylines with the BYU quarterbacks going into spring ball here because I'm interested to see which of these three guys, and I'm, just a reminder, if you tuned into this and you're not paying attention, so it's three guys, according to Aaron Roddick, who will be competing in spring ball, getting the majority of the reps, if not all of them. And it's going to be Jaron Hall, Joe Critchlow, Baylor Romney. Those three guys. Zach Wilson, unavailable to throw, but will be involved in team meetings. He'll be out on the field watching reps, etc., getting the quote-unquote mental reps. But Stacey Connor is not going to be in the mix. Hayden Griffith's out of the competition by all accounts, it sounds like, as well. So these three quarterbacks... It's going to be a fight. You got to, every rep during spring camp coming up for these three young men is going to be critical to their playing future when it comes to playing football at BYU. And we'll be covering it for you. I'm excited to get out there for spring ball, see what happens. Spring ball is a very interesting time because you have to take every rep and every success with a grain of salt. We always see a wide receiver or a running back who is an absolute stud in spring ball that come fall camp in the season, they're just, they disappear. Plain and simple, and it's unfortunate, but it is what it is. So we'll be covering it for you, but I think this quarterback derby essentially running for the number two job behind Zach Wilson, albeit the coaches won't allow us, allow themselves to say that, is going to be a critical storyline entering uh, the 2018 summer period going into fall camp. The spring ball, critical for these quarterbacks. All right, I'm going to get some other news and notes, but we can hold on to them until tomorrow. I need to talk a little bit more about Sione Takitaki going to the uh, the NFL Combine. Should be why you've gotten more guys invited to that. I meant to weigh in on that, but we can weigh in on that on a show tomorrow maybe or Wednesday so we'll get to that all right we'll step aside here we'll come back catch up on everything else that happened in terms of BYU sports the other BYU sports teams in action over the weekend how they performed that's coming up next right here on Locked on Cougars Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere especially during March your eyes are on the road but the driver in front of you has both eyes on their bracket their sudden braking puts you in a 16 car pileup that's anything but sweet And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this is worse than a busted bracket. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability, savings vary. Welcome back to Locked On Cougars, Monday edition of the show. Hope you guys all had a great weekend. All right, got a lot to catch up on with the other BYU sports teams that were in action over the weekend. We'll start off south of the border in Puerto Vallarta, Mexico. BYU softball uh, had a 4-1 lead, but lost 5-4 in their final game in Puerto Vallarta to North Carolina. BYU falls to 1-3 on the season. Uh, Tough loss considering they had that lead late into the game. They now head to Las Vegas this coming week 
weekend for the D Marini Desert Classic. It starts on Thursday, February 14th, which is Valentine's Day. Uh, they'll take on Fordham at 2 o'clock Mountain Time there at Eller Media Stadium. So hopefully BYU can right the ship a little bit here. This is a young team. Speaking of BYU softball, but they're chasing a 15th consecutive NCAA tournament berth. And I'm just going to say, considering my personal um, bias, BYU is going to make the NCAA tournament this year. The West Coast Conference is not a great softball conference, but they do have an automatic bid. And BYU has not lost the conference title since the conference was formed. So I'm guessing they get in. That's just me. All right, moving on to other news and notes. BYU women's basketball, they did snap their losing streak. They had a three-game losing streak after getting ranked in the top 25. Uh, they improved to 10-3 and in West Coast Conference play with a massive 75-49 to blowout of Pacific. Uh, so a big win for BYU and Jeff Judkins uh, in the, the release from BYU says it feels nice to get back on track. We moved the ball really well and our guards were really sharp today. The pressure was key and we got some easy baskets because of it. So congratulations to them on the win. It was massive to kind of bounce back. They got to the top 25 ranking and just seemingly fell apart. Three straight losses. They are headed on, on the road this weekend. They'll be at Portland on Thursday. You can get a live stream on the W.TV for that game. Uh, BYU men's and women's track were all over the country this past week. We talked about it. They were at the Iowa State Classic as well as the Texas Tech Shootout, so both in the Midwest. Uh, the teams are pretty good here, though. Uh, Erica Burke Jarvis, the All-American, she broke the all-time record at BYU on her way to winning the women's 3,000 meter at the Iowa State Classic on Friday. Her time of 9 minutes, .69 seconds broke the previous record of 904.06, so she beat her at 4 seconds. And in the track world, that is just an absolutely massive showing. So congratulations to Erica Burke Jarvis. I don't have a chance. I don't have an opportunity to run down all of these for you, but I wanted to run down some of the bigger, notable things out of this. At the Texas Tech shootout, Michael Bluth ran a career best forty six point nine four seconds in the men's four hundred meters on Friday. He earns a spot in the school record books with the fourth best time in BYU history. Um, he competed again on Saturday in the two hundred meters, running a twenty one point four four. I'm not going to lie, if the BYU football coaches are looking for a sprinter that has some speed, hey, call up Michael Bluth, see if he's interested in coming over and joining the BYU football team, because that's a pretty fast 200 meters. I don't know what he runs the 100 meters in, because I know a lot of the BYU football coaches are interested in 100 meter times, but that's a that's a good showing. So congratulations, I guess, overall to the men's and women's track and field teams. Good showings for all the teams, uh, for, for the teams in both places. So congratulations. We'll keep you updated with other news and notes, but I wanted to get you some of the more notable and record-worthy events out of the way here. All right, and then the last couple of things here for you guys is BYU Women's Tennis uh, got a win over the weekend. They took down New Mexico in a sweep for nothing. So congratulations to them. They actually picked up two wins over the weekend. They also beat, uh, who was it? It was Boise State on Friday before New Mexico on Saturday. So a 2-0 weekend for the women's tennis team is a good showing. And the men's tennis pulled a 4 nothing sweep against WCC foe Santa Clara Saturday night at the indoor tennis courts in Provo. So congratulations to both the men's and women's tennis teams. Good showing for both teams there. All right, there you go. Oh, and sorry, one other thing I needed to note here. Number 21, BYU Women's Gymnastics. Ranked 21st in the country. Their ranking keeps bouncing around based on their scores, but they did go to the Air Force Academy, and a quad meet took first place over Air Force, Springfield, and Seattle Pacific. As I predicted on Friday's podcast, they scored a season, actually not season high, they scored a 196 
5.425. So congratulations to BYU. They won by a big margin because second place for Air Force was 194.775. And if you in the gymnastics world, anything over a point is considered a massive, massive showing. So congratulations once again to women's gymnastics on the victory. All right, now I'm done. That's all I've got for you. Recapping the weekend that was for BYU football, basketball, and all the other teams, gymnastics, women's basketball, track and field, tennis, oh, and men's volleyball. I should have mentioned that. Fourth straight loss to number four UCLA. They took the first set before losing the next three. Ugh. Not looking good for Sean Olmstead's team. they got to figure something out because all of a sudden they are way off the pace. They started out very well 4-0 but have lost four straight. They're now 4-4. Probably going to fall out of the national rankings here pretty quick if they're not careful. All right. Okay, we're done. Back tomorrow. More on a Tuesday edition of the show. Like I said, need to talk about Sione Takitaki. His invite to the NFL Combine. Should Corbin Kafusi maybe have gotten an invite despite his injuries? We can talk about it. We'll have plenty more to cover for you. We'll also be out at BYU basketball practice. And also I wanted to get to some comments from Kalani Sitake at some point this week that he made on the Zone Sports Network last week as well. So lots to cover. Busy week ahead. There is no time to rest for the weary. It's a ton of fun to bring this to you guys each and every day and a reminder for you with your smartphone all you got to do is tell it to play podcast locked on cougars and you will have the latest and greatest in byu news right there for you thanks again for joining me thanks for your support as always on the podcast back tomorrow have a great monday we'll talk to you on tomorrow's podcast this has been locked on cougars for february 11th 2019 have a great day Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.